welcome to the Adventures with Grammy podcast. I am your host, Carolyn Berry. This podcast is for grandparents on the go with their grandchildren and for parents who want to ensure loving relationships across the generations. I welcome your input and your feedback on every episode of the podcast we produce. Please send me an email at carolyn at adventureswithgrammy.com or connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at Grammy Adventure. Please follow or subscribe to my podcast. It's free so you won't miss an episode and ask your family and friends to do the same. You can subscribe to the monthly newsletter by visiting my website, adventureswithgrammy.com and clicking the newsletter sign-up link. Episode 14 of the Adventures with Grammy podcast looks at the issue of grandparents raising their grandchildren. The list of grandchildren who were raised by their grandparents includes former presidents Barack Obama and Bill Clinton, comedians Carol Burnett and Jamie Foxx, and musicians Eric Clapton, Willie Nelson, and 50 Cent. Across the United States today, grandparents are raising almost 3 million children, with approximately 1 million of those children relying solely on their grandparents for support. Only 11% of grandparents are raising their grandchildren because of the deaths of one or both of the children's parents. Drug addiction, usually to opioids, is the reason most grandparents are raising their grandchildren. Lisa Holliday, a grandmother who is raising her granddaughter, is today's guest. She found at HelpingGrandparents.com because when she stepped in to help her granddaughter, she found few resources available for grandparents, and she doesn't want that for other grandparents who experience similar difficult times. She has a Facebook group by the same name and offers a virtual support group to grandparents across the globe. Welcome, Lisa. I know this is a difficult topic to discuss, and I was wondering if you would share with our listeners your story. I'm Lisa Holiday. I am a grandmother of a little girl. We'll call her V. And this interview is about my daughter's drug addiction and the steps I took to secure my grandchild's safety and ultimately her adoption. What were the circumstances that led up to your concern to begin with? Mm -hmm. So my oldest daughter had my granddaughter in November of 2016. And everything was fine. She was in the middle of vocational school and got pregnant, had the baby. I was there for the birth, one of the most amazing things ever. And then after she had the baby, went back and finished school and graduated and then started working in her field. And everything was going better than I expected. You know, I wasn't completely thrilled when she came to me and said she was pregnant. She had had some issues the end of, at the beginning of college, I guess it would be, she uh, kind of got into a bad relationship and attempted suicide and did drugs, but she had come out of that and was doing great. And she was with this guy and we liked him and things seemed to be going well, but I didn't think she was stable enough or ready to have a child. And I did try to dissuade her, but she did not listen. And at that point, I told her, very frankly, I am not raising my grandchildren. So if you're having this child, she's your, your responsibility. Didn't turn out that way. So they lived in an apartment 
three hours away. And I would go visit every other weekend because I was madly in love with my first grandchild. Like I couldn't get enough of her. Then I started noticing that her dad was the only one home with her and my daughter was nowhere to be found. Or I'd have to kind of call a lot and hunt her down to let her know I was coming. And the house started getting messier and messier. And then all of a sudden there were holes in the wall and glass on the floor. And that day when I saw holes in the wall and glass on the floor, I said, I think she needs to come stay with me for the weekend. I don't know what's going on here, but I'll be back next weekend. And if things aren't cleaned up, she's not staying. And that did scare them. They did clean it up. So I I gave her back because I don't, you don't have any legal rights really. You're just going with your relationship with your child and what you know you can get away with, basically. And I knew I could, you know, I knew she was scared of me a little bit still. So that worked in my favor. So then I started going every weekend because I just was worried all the time. Just things were not good. Things were not good with my daughter. She was acting different. She was losing weight. That's a big indicator. Still to this day, I pay attention to her weight. (laughs) When she's real skinny, I know we're in trouble. They got evicted. Then she kind of went MIA and the dad got a place with her watching the baby. And I would send diapers and go and visit her with the dad. Then my daughter came back into the picture and got them evicted from that house because of her drug use and bad behavior. And then they all three became homeless and were living in a car. And that was not suitable, not okay at all, in my opinion. I also didn't have a lot of say in it because I didn't know where they were. She wouldn't always tell me where they were. And I would have to walk a fine line and try to figure out where they were and if my granddaughter was safe, all the while dealing with two drug addicts that were not rational human beings. So ultimately, after some really scary calls in the middle of the night, I convinced them to meet me at a Walmart in their town. And I had to hope that I had played the game well enough that they would actually meet me. And I said, you know, I just want to, I just want to give you guys the chance to get back on your feet and, you know, just, and just keep her out of a car. She, you know, she needs a bed. She needs a bedtime routine. This probably isn't easy for you guys to maintain. Let me just help you. Very non-threatening. And that was a very big key to my success throughout this whole situation. They did meet me and I was so relieved because when I met them, my granddaughter was in her last diaper, had no clothing, no food, nothing. And she was dirty, which was heart wrenching. And she saw me and her little arms spread out and she wanted me so bad. (laughs) And so it was a huge relief. And she slept the entire car ride home. I mean, I just think she was exhausted. How old was she? She was a little over a year. Just, you know, she had just turned one in November and this was probably, yeah, she's probably 14 months old. Um, And I brought her home and gave her a bath first thing, went to the store and got all the necessary things. And I didn't think much further than getting her in my possession at that point. But then I had to figure out how was I still going to work full time? (laughs) I had to line up daycare in short order. So I had a pretty stressful, busy job. So I did. I I got all that lined up and started getting her, you know, had somebody loan me a crib. You know, all those things that you have to kind of figure out last minute. And we did that. My husband and I realized that things weren't going to get better. It seemed they were getting worse. 
She wasn't actually checking in very often either. It didn't inspire her to want to change, which I was hoping it would. So I started the guardianship process, was granted guardianship. And then my husband and I had to have another hard conversation because we have raised five children. He's older than me. And we had raised two severely disabled children, um, one with severe autism and epilepsy, and the other, we had three kids actually that needed individual education plans, two though that were more severe in disabilities. So we were pretty tired already, and we had combined at our family, so we had never really been just him and I, and our granddaughter moved in the same week as our last child moved out to go to college. So... (laughs) We, we, we talked a lot about what options there were. We really didn't want our granddaughter to not have parents and grandparents. We felt like she lost her parents so suddenly and that grandparents play a pretty intricate role in grandchildren's lives. We're invaluable as far as I'm concerned. They need both. And we felt like she was getting gypped because she was getting two old people that were tired. Like she deserved better. So we looked at adoption. I thought that maybe I could find her new parents and still maintain my grandmother role in an open adoption. So I pursued that. It ultimately didn't pan out. I think it could work for other families. We tried with three different families and it just didn't work. Then I ended up adopting her. The main reason for that is I didn't want a court or a judge deciding what was best for my family. And that includes my daughter. I wanted to be able to watch what's going on with her and see when she's stable. I feel like I know her better than a judge would. And I wanted my granddaughter safe and not, you know, not taken away from me at my daughter's whim, especially if my daughter was not in a good place and was just being reactive to something. The adoption was final on February 8th of this year, 2021, and it's going great. It's been a really long, rough road, and it's still very hard because I have a four-year-old and I'm always worried about my daughter um, because I don't hear from her very regularly and I never know if she's okay. It's been a big adjustment (laughs) starting over. I can imagine it is not only an emotional adjustment, but physically, of course, I'm older than you are, but I have a four-year-old granddaughter who likes for me to sit on the floor with her and play. And it is rough getting back up off the floor. Oh, yeah. I've gotten so strategic <laughs> in where we play on the floor. Like, let me make sure there's like a coffee table nearby or chair, something I can hoist myself up again. Because, oh man, that is just, that's the hardest part. Or let's play at the table. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's one of the things that haunts me though. My gosh, you know, when my kids were younger and they did something, I knew that I had the stamina to save their life if need be. Like my, my, one of my daughters just went and dived in the deep end. You know, I'm like, oh, please don't let her do any of those things. It'll take me a week to recover. I admire you. I know a family who has adopted their three grandchildren for similar circumstances. Their son and his girlfriend were both drug addicts and were not taking care of their children. I have another friend who raised a child only to have him snatched from her because there was no 
legal agreement in place. And I have read about a number of grandparents who are raising their grandchildren and how difficult it is. When I was teaching, I had a student whose grandmother was raising her. And I know this grandmother was having a very, very difficult time because she was older than I am and raising a teenager. And that was, that was tough. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of us out there and networking is really key, helping each other out. It is a tough spot to be in, you know, and there's no manual, especially with drug addiction. Like I didn't know, luckily my husband did. I was so naive when we, when this all first started, but I did trust my instincts, luckily, because when I did go to him and said, I think something's up and he's like, oh, you're overreacting. But I'm like, no, I don't think so. But I didn't, I just didn't know anything about it. I didn't experiment with any of those things. That wasn't anything I ever wanted to do. So I wasn't savvy at all. And I, I mean, I've learned a lot about drug use now. And I've learned like, you know, she's actually better when she's actually on something than when she's coming off of something. She's very aggressive and mean and dangerous if she's coming down off of drugs, which those are things I just would have never known. It, yeah, it's hard for us grandparents that are in these shoes. You're always in some state of emotional flux. So what type of support did you have? When this first happened, I started doing my research and trying to find support and I was shocked that there wasn't any. I was also shocked that I was one of the the attorney that I talked to, the adoption attorney I spoke with, had been doing this for 30 years and a grandparent had never come to him and said, can I find new parents for my grandchild? I want her to have everything. Those were things he hadn't heard. Now, since me, so he's gotten three more grandparents that are trying to do exactly what I did. That didn't work out, but maybe they'll have more luck. But there were not support groups. I went, I relied heavily on my sister and my cousin to sound off on my husband. I didn't know anybody that was raising their grandkids, none of my friends. So it was all new to me. And that was actually what kind of got me going. I'm like, I have got to start documenting what I'm going through while I'm going through it, what's working for me, and create a website for resources. And I'll do, I mean, my job in real life is I'm a PA for the billionaires of Silicon Valley. So I'm used to juggling a lot of balls, especially when you raise five kids, you get used to juggling a lot of balls. So I am really good at research and really good at finding what anybody needs at any given moment. So I'm like, I'm going to put those skills to use for grandparents that are having to step in for their grandchildren and make this a better system. Because it was a very scary, dark road to go on alone and really discouraging when I didn't see what I needed. I mean, I couldn't find a support group. I couldn't find anything really that was geared towards me. I mean, I found PAL and I will, I would recommend PAL, which is parents Um, of addicted loved ones. They had a support group that focused on the addicted child. But I asked even in that support group, I'm like, can I, like, are there any grandparents raising their grandchildren? And the response I got was, no, it never got that bad. None of us have had to do that. So I was like, oh, well, that kind of, well, that will help me with my daughter, but it doesn't help me with where I'm at right now, which was getting her in my care and what to do next. 
I did know my way around a courtroom just because we had done a conservatorship for my son, which is basically the same kind of packet. And I did that without an attorney. So I thought I can do this without an attorney as well and did. And it was granted and I had her and it protected her to a certain extent. But (laughs) ultimately, we ended up adopting her like, you know, so it kept her out of foster care, though. And that was what was key. How did you go about the adoption process? That had to have been a very delicate situation terminating your daughter's parental rights. Yes, that was, I would say, the hardest part. Because what I found out from the the adoption attorney is that whether I adopted her or someone else adopted her, I was going to have to eliminate the parental rights of my daughter. And I had to sit with that one for a minute. I don't ever want to hurt my children. But I also knew she was making really bad choices. And that, you know, maybe maybe this would be the shock that would get her off drugs. You know, I mean, you think that all the time. Like, maybe this will be the rock bottom. Maybe this will be rock bottom. It wasn't. I actually had the court, I had her served for the guardianship. I had her served for the termination of parental rights. She attempted to go to court to fight the termination of her rights, except for she was not in a good spot mentally at that moment and went to the wrong county and the wrong courthouse. So they sided with terminating her rights. And that messed with me a little bit, you know, like, I'm like, well, she tried. She actually tried and she made it to a court house, just not the right one or at the right time. Her choices led her to that place. I mean, she to this day is still homeless and still on drugs. And this is, my granddaughter has been with me for three years now. And that's three years she has been out of that situation, which is good news. And your granddaughter most likely would have wound up in foster care since they live three hours from you and your daughter is homeless and still abusing drugs. No doubt. So what's life like for you and your granddaughter slash daughter now? Well, (laughs) it's been a little different because it's been a pandemic. So we're together nonstop. I was laid off due to the pandemic. So I'm working from home, kind of trying to, I work on my website and things that, you know, make me happy. And then I do some side work to keep myself busy. And we go on a hike almost three times a week. We go bike riding and do gymnastics and we do art lessons and we watch bald eagles and we're very (laughs) entertained. We read a lot of books. The hardest part is that playing on the floor or just always wanting to play dolls. And I'm just, oh, not again. (laughs) Can only do that for so many hours. But it's going really well. You need to buy her a dollhouse that you put on top of a table. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We end up doing a lot of toy play in the bathtubs where I can sit there and she can be in the bathtub and I can interact sitting down instead of on the floor. And she, cause she's such uh, a water girl. So it works out. So tell us about the website that you've put together and the virtual support group that you offer for other people in your situation? Well, I started a website, like I said, with resources. Um, and I, I kind of break it down into two categories. One is what if you can't raise your grandchild? And what if you need to get guardianship or adoption? And it gives you resources for both. And then I also offer where you can email me and I will help you with finding resources in your specific county for your specific need. And then we also have a Facebook group, which has We've just hit 250 members of 
grandparents that are raising grandchildren from all over the world. And we all in that group, if we find something that's helpful, like an Amazon book, or um, someone's having a hard day, we all rally around each other and support each other. And it's great. It's actually better than I anticipated. I was just like, wow, if you're having a bad day, you go in there and you're going to feel better because someone's having a worse day. And then you stop worrying about you and you're supporting them and helping build them back up. So it's wonderful. And then we also have through our website, a virtual support group where we do actual video. We're all in the same chat room, like Zoom. We help each other. And that that one is a little different than the Facebook group. The Facebook group is more sporadic. This is more planned out and time to actually work together and help each other when we're having very difficult times and have a face looking back at you. Talked about books. I went on Amazon and I found three books that address this issue, at least from the, not the drug addiction, but the grand mm -hmm. families. And one of them is A Grand Family for Sullivan, Coping Skills for Kinship Care Families. Mm -hmm. The second one is Sometimes it, It's Grandmas and Grandpas, Not Mommies and Daddies. Mm -hmm. And then the third yeah. one is The Grand Family Guidebook, Wisdom and Support for Grandparents Raising Grandchildren. Yeah. Did you find these books helpful? Yes. So two of those are children's books geared for the children. And the other one is um, kind of a, a manual. <laughs> like, you know, how you, because when we raised our kids, even though we have all those experiences, times have changed. Technology is advanced. Like it's a whole new world. It kind of guides you through <laughs> those changes and what's happening now. And it, it will, it helps share, shed some light on resources as well. It, I mean, it, it is a helpful book. The children's book, the one, um, sometimes it's mommies and daddies, sometimes it's grandma and grandpa's. I'm not sure I got the title right, but that one I really like because it shows my grandchild, our family and what her life looks like. And it, you know, and that there's a book about that is really nice. A Grand Family for Sullivan kind of talks more about the child's trauma around why they're living with grandma and grandpa and letting them voice that. And that is a book I will share with her at some point. She's a little young for it now, but it's fantastic. I'm always looking for books like that, that give her examples of what our life looks like in a book, because we love to read every night and seeing that, because I, I don't know how it would feel for her to see every book have a mom and a dad when she doesn't have that. And I, that I really don't want that to keep getting drilled in her head. I don't have a mom and dad. So I try to find books that represent us as we are. And I do tell her that a lot, like that families look different. And I try to get books that are different families in general, you know, like two moms, two dads, whatever different cultures. I want her to see that it can be anything. Family is just family and it doesn't even have to be by blood. So how is she doing? Has she adjusted or I would think that she was so young that it just yeah. been natural for her. So she's adjusted. Um, like she's amazing. <laughs> she didn't even recognize her parents after, um, when she would see them. So she was really too young. And she was calling me mom. I mean, I actually had to transition her to call me Nana. She's doing really, really well. Even when we, after going through trying to find her new parents, she just wanted to be with me. 
And she made it really clear. <laughs> like, so, you know, okay, you got it, girl. This is, if this is what you want, we're going to make it happen. My social worker came over here and was doing some of the paperwork for me adopting her. The adoption, the social worker says to her, how do you feel about being back at Nana's? And she said, you made my dreams. And that was a, oh, a my goodness. very profound moment. <laughs> and then I'm like, you know, other sources are taking a hand in this. This is where she belongs. So I need to let go of all of my fears, you know, that she's going to live in her mother's decisions, shadow her whole life and just embrace the fact that this can work and we will make, we'll make the best of it. This is where she wants to be. And I, I want her to be with me too. So it just works out. <laughs> so I'm a little confused. You wanted to find a family to adopt her because you thought you were too old to be her mom? I thought she was losing parents, the ability to have parents and grandparents. I didn't want her to have grandparents oh. as parents. I, I just... I felt like I, we were both losing something. I was losing the chance to be a grandma. I had to step into a parental role and she was, she lost her parents. And I just think that I didn't know that we were good enough. Like, you know, like you, all these self doubts, like I have a daughter that's a drug addict. Maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not good at this. You know, maybe I'm not the best one to do this. Maybe she deserves better. There's a lot of things that go through your mind when you're faced with drug addiction and seeing your child go down this path. I mean, you internalize it, you take it on as your own, you know, as your own, that you somehow played a part in this. I second guessed myself a lot. And I also wanted her to have everything. And I didn't know that I could give her everything. You know, I'm older. I can't give her siblings. I work full time. You know, I'm I don't want to go to soccer games anymore. I'm over that. <laughs> I will. I'll rally. But you know, it's just all of those things were coming into play. And a couple of these families that I was presented with were, you know, going to travel the world and she was going to have opportunities that I couldn't, I didn't think I could necessarily give her. She was going to have a mom and dad that were stable. She was still going to have me. She was going to have siblings she was when those didn't work out I had to ask my social worker do you think that she's best with us like is this the best place and she said yes and so I was like I'm gonna have to believe her and let go of those insecurities and self-doubt and just go with it and protect her as much as I possibly can from the questions from you know, people's judgment, if there is any, I don't know what I'm going to face, what she's going to face. I don't know. But we'll, we're going to make a go of it. We love each other dearly. And we're doing great. So it's working so far. When you talk about these other families, did V actually spend time with these other families outside of your care? Yes. Outside of your presence? Yes, she did. How did that impact her? Well, she really just looked at it as extended playdates, like, because they had other children, some of them, you know, and it's, you're, you're kind of testing the water and seeing if it's going to be a good fit. It's never, it was never like, she's yours. It's, is this a good fit for her, for you, um, for everything? She's pretty adaptable. She just wants to have fun. What I did learn though, our bond was really strong that somebody that 
hadn't been a parent or somebody that was a younger parent, there seemed to be a level of intimidation about our bond, about could she really see that person as her mother? The dads, every one of this, you know, prospective dads bonded with her quite well. It was no problem. The moms, every mom in every situation struggled. And it was mostly because our bond was so close. They didn't see, they didn't know if she could transition to them and not see me as her primary caregiver. And I think I underestimated how much she imprinted on me as her mother, because I always saw myself as a grandmother. I just had been put in a situation where I had to do motherly things. So we both learned from it. That's an incredible story. Yeah. That really is an incredible story. And definitely her saying the lady made her dreams come true. I mean, that definitely should have said to you, you made the right decision. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think we both started crying immediately when she said that. My social worker and myself, because I was like, what? Is she such a old, my, she's such an old little soul. I mean, she astounds me daily. But that was like, oh, wow. Okay. We're going to be okay. This is okay. Like, don't feel bad anymore. Well, I am happy for you. Me too. You obviously have a wonderful relationship with her. And I can't imagine her feeling scarred as she grows up. I mean, she obviously loves you immensely. Yeah. My husband makes that comment a lot. He's like, he's just, he's like, she just loves you so much. He's like, I'm the sidebar. She loves me too, but there's something between you two. And she's helped me heal as much as I've helped her. I mean, if I didn't have her, I would be, you know, wallowing in a lot of pain surrounding my daughter. She's a nice distraction. And I get to see my daughter, a piece of my daughter every day that's beautiful and unscathed. What advice do you have for grandparents who are facing a similar situation? You've got to trust your instincts. You know your children, you know when something's wrong. But always remember that until you have guardianship or custody, you don't have rights. You don't have many rights anyway. Grandparents have rights to a certain extent, but the the parents can pull the, the plug. And there's a lot of grandparents out there who are estranged from their children and don't get to see their grandchildren as a result of that. And that's a really hard boat to be in as well. So you've really got to play the game and get your grandchild to safety. And it's a minefield doing that but it'll be worth it. And I, my strongest recommendation is you either get guardianship, you find a family to adopt them or you adopt them, but don't leave yourself in limbo because they can come and take that child at any time and they have the legal recourse to do it. And then you won't know where your grandchild is because they will be mad at you. (laughs) Your child will be mad at you. And you said there was another option of becoming a foster family. Yes. And I haven't seen this as much with grandparents, but I've seen it with like aunts and uncles or siblings that take on their niece and nephew. They do, they register to become a foster family and step in as a, it's a kinship care. So they get more benefits when they do it that way. Also with that, just like regular foster care, there's always the open door to go back to the biological parents. And by adopting, you've closed that door. Yeah. By adopting, you close the door. You you maintain the ability to make those decisions on what's best for your grandchild because you are legally responsible for them. So I can watch my daughter's life develop 
and I can make that judgment of when she can see her and how we reestablish a relationship. It won't be a court ordered thing. A lot of time, a lot of the court hearings that I would be in on the various stages of my process were a judge saying to them, okay, grandparents, your son's sufficient now. You're done. We're going to do a transition of four weeks. Now, they may have had more interactions up to that, but somebody else was making those decisions for that family. And, and, and that's fine. I mean, I understand that. And a mediation is a key part of that. I needed to know that I could oversee this. I have more invested in this. This is my daughter, my granddaughter. I've been the one making sure everything's okay here. I, I didn't want someone telling me what this was supposed to look like. And I didn't want someone making a mistake with my grandchild's well-being by thinking my daughter in a manipulative state said the right things, did the right things, and got her way. I just couldn't risk it. I admire your strength and your courage. Thank you. You as a grandparent going through this obviously needed support. What could somebody do to help you? So one is offer to babysit. We always need a break. <laughs> but if you see a grandparent, if you go to a school, you know, event and you're a mom there and you see the awkward grandma in there who's feeling a little out of sorts, just say hi, help us out, bring us in your fold. It's a really weird place to be. Um, you know, we're not young and hip anymore. Well, I still think I am, but you know, you just, we are going through a hard time and we're, we aren't being embraced by our own friends. So in these social settings, it's kind of like we have a big glowing light over our head that we're different and that it's hard. So just offer support, say hi, maybe include us. We're probably the, the least judgmental friend you'll ever have. We're past that age of caring <laughs> about those kind of things. And we just need, we need to feel embraced, included. Um, it's a little isolating at times, uh, starting over. None of my friends have young kids anymore, and they don't necessarily want them around. I was one of those. After I raised my kids, I'm like, no, no, more. I don't want to be around anymore with young kids. No thanks, I want quiet. And I'm eating my words. I have a few friends that do readily embrace me and my granddaughter, and it makes a really big difference. Well, you've certainly given us a lot to think about. Please share with our listeners how to find you, how to find your support group, should they ever know someone in this situation or find themselves in this situation? You can go to my website at uh, www.helpinggrandparents.com. And then you can also email me at wearehelpinggrandparents at gmail.com. And on Facebook, just look up Helping Grandparents um, on our Facebook page. It links you to our group so that you can join. It's a private group. So everything discussed and said in there remains private. And if you also email, we're helping grandparents at gmail.com and want to be added to the virtual support group, that's how you connect there as well. Well, thank you for sharing your story. And I'm certainly glad that V told you she wanted to be with you and that you all are a happy family. Yes, thank you. Me too. I hope you have enjoyed today's episode of the Adventures with Grammy podcast. You will find the links to our guests and the topics we discussed in this episode's show notes. If you would like to be a guest or if you know someone who would be an awesome guest, 
please connect with me at carolyn at adventureswithgrammy.com.